Well, we're putting a bookend on our summer series called Summer Cruise. We've looked at eight different places in the Bible that have to do with boats and some biblical principles from those stories. And today we're, we're finishing up that series. Next Sunday is back to school Sunday and people are gearing back up to, to uh, launch back into the new school year and in a different season. And, and we do that every year at Timber Creek as well with the launching of, of our groups, a uh, hundred different groups and grow tracks and encounter and, and, and you name it. So all kinds of stuff. And so before we get into really a launch back to school Sunday next Sunday, uh, today is kind of a, a pep rally. As we end, as we end this series, I, I kind of want to give you a little bit of a, of a pep rally, get you geared up for the next semester, regardless if you've been coming for a long time to Timber Creek or you've just decided to dip your toes in the water. We're so glad that you're here. But this is like a, a little bit of a family talk right here and there in Duncan and Dieball. So uh, to jump right in, I, wanna, I really want to answer the question, what is it that we're trying to do here? What are we trying to, to accomplish as a church? Are we just trying to get together? Is the end result just people that become a little better people or that they kind of, you know, they pray over their meal every once in a while or, you know, the big man upstairs, you know? Like, like what are we really trying to accomplish? Just better people? No, 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 no. We say it around here like this. Your God-given potential is our mission. It's, it's why we exist. And your God-given potential isn't just to be a little bit better than you were yesterday. Your God-given potential is really found all throughout Scripture. In a few weeks, I'm going to unpack that uh, a little bit more deeply on Launch Sunday when we launch Nacogdoches campus. But here's really what it boils down to. Your God-given potential comes down to this, to know Him personally, to know God personally, to find freedom from anything holding you back. You know, some of you, you... You're still in the rearview mirror. You're still living on yesterday. Like you were meant to live forward, not watching the rearview mirror. And some of you, God wants to settle your yesterdays, the stuff that's been holding you back. God wants every one of us to discover a deeper purpose, a redemption quality in all of us of, of why he's placed us on this earth. And then we look beyond ourselves and we want to make a difference for the kingdom of God in the time that we have. That's, that's, why, that's why we do this, why we exist. Now, with that, what do we hope to accomplish? Like, if that's what we're going to be about, what do we want to look like as you, as you take the, the, the binoculars and you look over the horizon a few years, and what, as a church, do we want to be doing? That's really what, what vision is. Vision is, is what's gonna, what we're going to look like down the road. And, and here's how we say it at, at, at Timber Creek. Our vision, what we want to look like down the road is this. We want to create community destinations. Churches that are more than just Sunday morning experiences that become a place, a destination for community to happen. That people might even be on our campus and experience different things before they're ever even in a church service. From here, all across the timber country of East Texas, we want to create those kind of community destinations. But we don't stop there. We want to create community destinations where anyone... No matter what their past is, no matter what they've gone through, no matter what they've done, no matter what it was last night, like coming in hung over, that's okay. We're a church anyone can come to. That's why we got cafe aroma for all your hangovers in there. No, it's, it's for anyone. Now, it's not, it's not, you know, it's a church anyone can come to. It's not a church everyone will stay. Because I want you to know that although we're a church anyone can come to, that doesn't mean that we will cater the Word of God to make sure you always feel like the Word of God matches up to your life versus your life matching up to the Word of God. 
So what we have to do is we have to be clear with the, the word of God as the moral compass for our life, but we don't want to use it as a billy club and, and, and like beat people over the head with a King James Version. People beat themselves up enough already. Other people in this culture are beating people up, talking about what they haven't done and what they couldn't do and what they've gone through. We, there's enough of that in the world. We want this to be an, an oasis of hope. We want this to be a community destination where anyone, where it's, not, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. We just don't want you to stay that way. And then community destination where anyone can find and follow Jesus. That you would be able to, if you don't know who Jesus is, by being a part, give, your, give, give a year of your life to the process here. Join a group. Get a part of Grow Track. Go through Starting Point. Give us a year to invest in your life. And I want to say, we won't change you. Jesus will change you from the inside out, and we will help you get there. And I am so much less of a pastor and more of a, of a tour guide, I believe. It's my, I believe God's called me to be a tour guide to help you just take next steps in helping all of us together create community destinations where anyone can find and then begin to follow Jesus more closely. But I want to add this one caveat as we conclude this series called Summer Cruise. Where anyone can find and follow Jesus while the door of opportunity is still open. The truth is, for all of us, there comes a time where the door of opportunity to bow a knee to Christ, that door shuts. And furthermore, for you as a Christ follower, you don't get to opt out of sharing the good news. It's like part of why you are saying, I want to follow Jesus. You're, you don't get to opt out and just let the pastor do it. You, like, we're all part of that process. And someday your opportunity is going to close. Or someday you won't have the same opportunity with that friend or relative or associate or neighbor and the door of opportunity closes and to end this series we started on week one with the tiniest little baby boat Moses and the baby ark and today we're ending with the biggest boat in the Bible we're going to Genesis chapter 6 and we're talking about Noah and the ark and if you go into Genesis chapter 6 you can follow along right here we, we, we begin to see the story unfold. Here's what it says in Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination, every single inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Like there was no... I think I'll go for a walk outside. The summer sun's calling my name. Like, it's like, how can I do evil today? Like, that is, like, some of you are like, that's my husband. <laughs> some of you are like, that's my mother-in-law. <laughs> okay. Like, every inclination of the heart was only evil all the time. That's how the human race had become. They had so drifted away from God, and they were eating cereal thinking wicked. And they were getting their Lunchable out at lunch thinking wicked and they were going to bed in sweet dreams no wicked dreams like they just had become so depraved and so far from god and it came to a point where this next scripture is 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 heartbreaking the lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled troubled another version says and it grieved him deeply god has all personhood packed into him. You experience emotions in an imperfect way because you're an imperfect human. 
but you're also made in the image of God. And he is ultimate personhood. He has the purest of emotion. And so when he grieves, just know when you grieve, like God can grieve. He can grieve like a widow next to a casket. He, he can grieve over uh, as a parent who loses a child. He can grieve over someone who's hurting and has been wounded. He knows what it's like to grieve. His heart was deeply troubled. He was grieving. And so the Lord said, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. And if we stopped there, that would be a pretty tough ending. Uh, but the story goes on. But Noah found favor in the eyes of, of the Lord. Can I say something to you? God loves you. Whether you give your heart to him or not, he loves you. He cares about you. He prays. The Bible says he prays over you. There's a difference between God loving you, though, and you finding favor with God. Like, I love my kids. I love them. If I tell them to clean the room and they don't clean it, that doesn't stop me from loving them. I still love them. But do you know what? If I get home one day, one day, one can dream, <laughs> and, and I get home and I walk in and the kids have cleaned their rooms without being asked after I pick myself up, you know what I'm going to do? I'm like, you want some V-Bucks, Graham? For those of you who don't know who V-Bucks are, God bless you. You are blessed and highly favored if you don't know. Like, I'm going to give you something like, man, let's go out. Let's go to Dairy Queen. We're going to get, man, they got the royal blizzard with the fudge in the middle. Why? Because you have found favor with your father. Just when we follow him. And that's what we see. That's how he found favor. Not because it was like a wheel of fortune. <laughs> Noah. It was Noah had found favor with God. Here's why. This is the account of Noah. He was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully. You want to find the favor of God active in your life? Walk faithfully. That, that, that's an ingredient to finding just, just where things just begin to feel like, like not as heavy and you have the favor of God. He walked faithfully with God. And God said to Noah, Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence. Because of them, I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So here's what I want you to do. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And so we jump to Genesis 7 now. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day... All the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. And rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And on that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, they entered the ark. Now, that's the first book of the Bible. If you travel into, I believe, the 60th book of the Bible, way towards the end of the New Testament, into 1 Peter chapter 3, we pick back up from the apostle Peter an insight into what was happening while Noah was building the ark. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, Noah, uh, Peter says, Christ also died for sins once for all. He's not having to do a redo. There's not a remake. There's not a part three. This is not a series. This is one time, once and for all, the cross accomplished everything it meant to accomplish. He died for sins once for all. The just, 
him for the unjust, me, so that he might bring us to God. You can never make enough steps to find God. God actually starts by finding you. Now, having been put to death, Jesus, having been put to death in the flesh, he was made alive in the spirit. The spirit resurrected him. But that same spirit in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. What is this talking about? Well, let me unpack that for just a second. Let me continue and then I'll unpack it. Those spirits who are now in prison who once were disobedient when, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons on the entire planet, were brought safely through the water. Now, when it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead made proclamation to those souls now in prison, some have translated that to, to, to say, well, Jesus, when he died on the cross and while he was dead, he went into hell and he preached to people in, in hell. That's not what this scripture is saying. What this scripture is saying is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that spoke through Jeremiah the prophet, Daniel the prophet, Isaiah the prophet, that walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace there in Babylon. That same spirit, way back then in Genesis, spoke through Noah. Noah preached during the construction of the ark, proclaimed through the spirit of God, and nobody listened. He preached... Nobody listened, and only eight people were salvaged by this big, massive boat. At some point, God closed the door, and there was no more preaching. Now, let's, let's just situate this spiritually, and, 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 and let's unpack some, some thoughts today. So would you just pray a quick prayer with me? God, whatever you want to say, say it, and may you stir us and challenge us today. Would you show us truths in your word, and may we apply it and walk in it. May we be hearers and doers of your word. Amen. Now, Noah is an incredible, incredible story. It, it, it's massive. It's a, ma it's a massive story. It, it's even hard to believe. But it's in the word, and there's truth that we can gain from this incredible, huge story. And I've got just a few thoughts on the back of your worship guide here, there in Duncan and Dieball. I'd invite you to take a pen and take some notes today. The first thought is this. Noah is an example of someone who goes all in. The dude was invested. God shows up on the scene and says, I want you to build something nobody else has ever built. And I want you to do it in the middle of Turkey. It is in the middle of the Turkish desert that Noah and his family are living. They are not living, you know, on, on the Pacific Ocean. All right? They're not in the boo, okay? Which is Malibu for all of you uncool people. <laughs> no, he is, he is all in on God's voice speaking directly to his heart. And here's how he's invested. He, is, he has made a huge investment. Here are three different investments he makes. He was invested financially. I mean, Noah must have been phenomenally wealthy because the same God who spoke to him to build the ark, the Bible doesn't say about anything about him, you know, uncovering a pile of gold to do it with. 
So he must have had his own resources that were demanded to be put on the line. Or, or it may be that he, maybe he wasn't wealthy. Maybe he just borrowed the money because he had a kind of like an insider trading deal. Like maybe he just went to the local bank, borrowed it all because he knew, hey, a few years, I'm not going to have to pay it all back. It's all going to be underwater. So goes to the banker, says, man, this is a huge boat. We can give you 300000 He goes, will you give me $2 million? And he goes, sure. He's like, all right. You know, checks in the mail. We don't know how he paid for it, but what we know is he did pay for it, and he was, he was invested financially. Here's another way he was He was invested personally. Decades to build this boat. Decades of his life. He, he could have been hang gliding over the Turkish sand dunes on retirement, filming commercials for whatever, but instead, he is invested in building a boat in the desert. Decades, decades of his life, which ha- could seem to people on the outside looking in completely wasted. Word gets around. Old friend from college, his college roommate is in town visiting. Finds out that Noah's been building something in his backyard, drives by the cul-de-sac, sees that gargantuan vessel in the backyard of Noah, and comes up to the door, knocks on it, says, Noah. Noah comes out, hey, man, it's been a long time. You remember high school and college? Yeah, I used to throw the football over the mountains. And like, yeah, it was so great. And he says, let's go get, let's go get coffee. And the college roommate and him, now that they're older, they're sitting down, coffee at Starbucks. And, and the college roommate kind of just kind of says, hey, Noah. You know we're buds. We've caught up. But I kind of had heard this was going on. And then listen, listen, I love you, man. <laughs> I love you, man. And my only concern here is, is you, okay? But like, bruh, <laughs> uh, a boat, a big old boat, the size of three football fields boat, Noah. We're in the middle of the desert. Where are you going to like, you know, float this thing? Noah, all your money, all your time, all your resources? Noah, you're crazy. You got to listen. I'm just being your friend. You got to come down off the scaffolding, bro. You can't be doing this with your life. His college friend was trying to be nice, but others were not as kind as the early morning hammering would happen in the neighborhood and the neighbors would be walking their, their toy poodle I'm calling the homeowners association. I know you don't have a permit for that thing. Come on, Puffy, let's go. Your grass needs to be mowed. (laughs) He was invested personally. You know what else? He was invested relationally. Now, the the Bible says God spoke to Noah. The Bible doesn't mention anything about speaking to Mrs. Noah or the boys. So I wonder what conversations were like at home. Like, like, I, like I wonder if Ham, Shem, and Japheth, they, they, they're, they're investing themselves into the building of this ark, and, and they're down taking a, taking a lunch break, and they, they pull out the cards, and they're playing a little Turkish hold'em there in the bowels of the boat, and they say, bros, what, what's going to happen here? Like, did, do you think dad really heard from God? And, and like, what if it doesn't happen? I mean, what are we going to do with this thing? And Japheth's like, he's like the little entrepreneur. He's like, well, you know, we could turn it into a bed and breakfast. And we could make it into this whole thing. It could be a tourist attraction. And 
Mrs. Noah. Noah comes in from a 12-hour day, showers up, lays down in bed. She turns off desperate housewives of turkey. She, she leans over to him and she puts her, she puts his calloused hand between both of hers and she says, Noah, just remind me, just remind me what his voice sounded like. Are you sure you heard from God? Are you sure? Please just tell me you know that you know that you know. I wonder if Noah, taking his tool belt off, looking at himself in the mirror of the bathroom, sunburned face, dirty, dirtiness in his hair. God, I hope you spoke to me. He's up on the boat the next day. He hammers his, you know, he nails a nail, but he hits his thumb and it starts pounding. He's going, it better rain, you know. He was invested. He was invested. God's voice spoken once to him, follow me. And he went all in. Can I ask you a question today? As a Christ follower, am I willing to invest like Noah? Am I willing to invest like Noah? Because God speaks to you and he speaks to me like he did Noah. And he says, I, I want you to come out of that. I want to save you. I want to call you. I want to give you a new path. And I want to help you take next steps. And I love you so much to not let you stay where you are, but I want you to take you where you could be. And will you follow me? Come on. I want, I, I want to go with you. You walking through a valley of the shadow of death, I'll walk with you. Just let's, let's go. And, and it requires an investment. It requires an investment of our time. It requires investment of our talents. It requires an investment. Almost 700 people that serve in this church on a monthly basis that we call dream teamers because God has a dream for this community and for your life and when we line up into the dream it's not the dream team of just like like the best of the best it's God's dream and we're part of that dream team and they're investing and God is saying will you keep investing because here's the deal in the same way the culture had had gone had gone crazy you and I are living in a culture where the stakes are rising we're living in a culture that frankly has drifted and continues to drift. And we are seeing the inclinations of hearts becoming more and more wicked all the time. And God is looking for people the same time he was looking there in the day of Noah to the day of 2019. He's looking for people that will go all in and will be invested. But God is real. He loves me. He has a plan for my life. He's spoken to me. He saved me. I don't have to live in the past. I can find freedom from that. And I can, I can be a part of what God wants to build while the door of opportunity is open. No doubt he had, ob uh, had opposition. No doubt he had objections. No doubt he had the homeowners association on his back. But through it all, Noah kept building. Now, 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 look, 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 the scripture gives us just enough information to get the basis of the story. Now, that doesn't mean you can't read between the lines or, or wonder what happened behind the scenes. It doesn't mean that you should just assume something and then create doctrine. That would be heresy. But I do wonder what was happening during all this time. What was happening behind the scenes? Can you imagine it if it were today? The news coverage, the vans lined up watching 
The six o'clock news, the 10 o'clock news, people giving interviews, little tweets going out, people going. All of a sudden, it gets like it's the wonder of the world. It was before all the seven wonders. It's like the one wonder of the world, this huge boat that Noah's building. And so, I mean, it starts attracting visitors, and Greyhound bus starts pulling up, you know, into the parking lot, and the, 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 the air brakes go, and the, the, the bus driver at the front says, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to this wonder of the world in the Turkish desert. This is what we call Noah's Ark for 25 years. Noah and his family have been building this boat. They said, God said that it would rain. <laughs> well, we are in the desert and it could pour, who knows. But you have 25 minutes. The restrooms are located on the left side of the ark. You can go and get some souvenirs, take some pictures, have fun, be back on the bus at 1215 and we will go to Golden Corral. <laughs> the doors open and out pour out Japanese tourists and, and, uh, uh, and East Texas families in their Hawaiian shirts and their white New Balance tennis shoes with black socks up to their calves with their fanny packs and their selfie sticks. And one guy from Zavala goes and knocks on the wood, you know, that is gopher wood. <laughs> honey, honey, that is gopher wood right there. That is some good, that is some good quality timber and whatnot and everything. Noah comes down off the scaffolding and they're gathering them together. Can we take it? Taking a selfie. Ah! Everybody say rain. Rain! <laughs> you don't think that way? You don't think? I mean, you don't think? Uh, and they all take their pictures and they check out the scene. And they, as quickly as they poured out, they reboard the bus. But the Bible says that, that there was a group of people, otherwise there would be, have been no proclamation. There would have been no preaching. There would have been no need for the Spirit of God to speak through Noah. And so I can see Noah, no matter how the group sorted out, I could see Noah going to the Greyhound, and before the door shuts, he knocks on the side of the door and kind of steps up into those two steps, you know, and just looks right over the, right over the bar and looks towards everybody there as he's sitting in the entrance, standing there. He says, hey, everybody, thanks for coming. I hope you got your pictures. You know, I didn't build this for a wonder of a world. I'm building this because God spoke to me. And before you leave, I just want you to know God is the creator of everything. He creates life, and because he's the creator, he can take life. He's God, and we're not. And everybody on this bus needs to hear me. God said that he's going to flood the earth. Now, because we know the nature of God throughout Scripture, I don't believe Noah stopped there. In fact, because of the proclaimed word of God, I believe Noah would have said to them, so listen, God's going to flood the earth, but you don't have to be in that flood. If you'll get off of this bus, go grab a tool belt. I've got hammers. I've been waiting for people to grab a hammer. There's more to be done. But if you will believe God's word like I believe God's word, there is room. Do you think God is just an animal lover alone? No, he didn't create animals in his image. He created you in his image. He didn't make me build the size of a boat the size of three football fields because he's an animal lover. He built this boat so that some of you would say, okay, I'll join you. And I don't want to live with every inclination of my heart, only evil all the time. So if you'll get off the Greyhound 
down. If you'll grab a hammer, if you'll join me off the scaffolding, you and your family can come too. How do I know that? Because all throughout Scripture, God shows us his character. Write this down, number two. Before God ever plays wipeout, he provides a way out. There's this moment in the Old Testament where two twin cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, are depraved. Every inclination is only evil all the time, and God's going to destroy them. And Abraham comes up to God and says, will you not destroy it if there's some good people? And God says, well, how many? I don't know, 50 good people in the whole town? He's like, if there's 50 good people. Well, Abraham's thinking, ooh, I under-negotiated that. Like my daughter on the airplane, we were talking about some allowance, and, and I said, what do you think should be your allowance uh, you know, starting up school, just a little bit of earn a couple things. You know, what do you think your, your weekly allowance should be? And she gave me a number. And immediately when she gave me the number, I was thinking, oh, she shot low. And, 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 then, and then she went, hmm, can I recalculate that? <laughs> can, can I rethink that for just a second? And, and, you know, uh, Abraham says, well, what if it's 40? And God says, okay, if there's 40 righteous people in the city, 30? Yeah, 20? You can read about it in the scripture. It's all there. He goes, what, what if there's just like only a handful? God says, yeah. You know why? Because before he plays wipe out, he provides a way out. Nineveh, one of our first stories in Summer Cruise, Jonah went to Nineveh and he didn't want to go. You know why? Because he knew God was full of sheer grace and mercy. And had they bowed a knee that God was going to spare the people that he was racist against. He was going to spare them because before he plays wipe out, he provides a way out. There are these three stories in the gospel that Jesus gives us that shows us the image of the father. And it's called the lost coin and the lost son and the lost sheep. But I believe a better terminology for them would be the faithful father and the faithful widow and the faithful shepherd. Because the shepherd goes after one lost sheep and he leaves the 99. And the faithful widow, although she has others, she lost one little coin and she is pulling couch couches out she's pulling the the pull away couch out looking for one coin she's dusting the pantry because she's a faithful widow and then the the the, the father who had two sons and one was in the house but had the wrong heart and one was outside the house and had a wrong heart that the father waits for him to come home that prodigal son and he meet, he busts through the front door and meets that father. why because before god plays wipe out he provides a way out. And I'm telling you, this is the character of God through Scripture. Had, had Noah's neighbors just come knocked on his door at 11.47 p.m. after all the lights were out, after the TV was shut down, and Noah was starting his first rim cycle, had he knocked on the door, Noah answers, if the neighbors, had they just said, Noah, We've been thinking about this. We've been watching you for years. And my wife and I were talking tonight. We've got our two kids. What, can, can we be a part of this? Can we be a part? I'm, I'm just telling you, everybody, if we know anything about the nature of God, there would have been room. There would have been room. The Bible says Noah preached. Noah talked to those guys on the Greyhound, but... Nobody took him up on his offer. And his three Home Depot orange buckets full of hammers never got used. And the same God that spoke to Noah to build the ark after decades, that same God one day breaks the silence and says, Noah, 
It's time. It's time. Get your family. I'll bring the, I'll bring the, the animals to you. You get your family. Get your wives. <laughs> In fact, it's kind of funny. God says, look, I'm going to gather two of every single kind of animal before you will even be able to get all your wives packed. So I get the animals. You get your wives. Get in the boat. Could you imagine that moment when Noah gathers the family? Oh, boy, what's dad going to say now? We've been working on this boat 25 years. He gathers them in the living room and says, Ham, Sham, Japheth, wives of them. Polygamy hadn't started quite yet. He says, Ham, do you remember when I used to bounce you on my knee as we were growing those cypress trees to make lumber to build this ark? And I told you, God, told, God talked to me. Do you remember that, Ham? Shem, do you remember when you first started swinging that, that hammer? Japheth, you remember what it was like that one time that Shem fell off the scaffolding? Oh, my goodness, we thought we had lost him. <sighs> Guys, God's talked to me. And he says, it's time. It's time. And can you imagine the feeling in that moment of that family as they gather their wives and their, brief, uh, their suitcases and they get into the boat. And here's the next thing that happens. God closes the door. It, it's not them that closed the door because it wasn't up to them. God closes the door. Can I just encourage you? Some of you have closed a door on a relationship that God never told you to close. Let God be the person who opens that door and closes that door. Trust God for what he can do. Don't think that it's all in your power. Maybe you've just shrugged someone off or you thought they're too far gone or that person's never going to bend a knee to Christ. Like, don't close the door on people. You, you don't know how God can work in someone's life. You just don't know what he can do. But in this moment, Noah and Mrs. Noah and their three sons and their three wives, the door closes. Let me give you point three. We have so convinced ourselves of the grace of God, and we should, because when God plays, before he plays wipeout, he provides a way out. That's called grace. Grace and mercy and the goodness of God but we have so convinced ourselves of the grace of God in this culture that I'm afraid that we have disconvinced ourselves of the judgment of God I'm so thankful for the grace and the goodness of God that meets us where we are the grace that's poured out on Calvary is Jesus gave us his all to cover our sin is the ultimate blood sacrifice I'm thankful for the grace of God but the cross is not just a place of grace it's a place of horrifying judgment placed on him the just for you and me the unjust so that by that sacrifice, 1 Peter 3 says, that would bring us to him. I'm thankful for grace. I need grace. Oh, God, thank you for your grace. But we've so convinced ourselves of a grace, and we've so been thankful for heaven, that we've been talking ourselves out of judgment. We've been talking ourselves out of hell. Hell. 
And I want to remind you today, heaven is real, and so is hell. Eternal separation from God is a reality. If you don't want to spend eternity with God, he will not make you. He won't make you. And it's on this side of eternity that that door someday for you and anybody else you lock eyes with, someday that door. And it's not because God is quick to judge. We read it. He is patient with you. But how many times are you going to say next time? How many times are you going to say, yeah, but not until I get to, not until I, or after I've, or he would never, like he's got so much grace for you. But you can't keep playing one foot in and one foot out with Jesus. Because there's going to come a time the door of opportunity closes. And there is no plan A. There is, no, there is no ladder up to the top deck of the vessel. You may want to write it down later. There's just no back door to the boat. There is no back door to heaven. If I'm a good person, that is not a back door. That's just you being a good person. Well, if I do enough things, if I attend enough church services, no, I'm telling you, that doesn't get you in the boat. Because it's not about what you could ever do. It's about him. And what he's done and believing in him, believing he is who he says he is. There's no back door to the boat. And as, as that group of family, Noah's family, gather in the bowels of that boat, it's not long after they begin to hear the pitter-patter of raindrops on the top deck. And they look at each other and they say, whoa. God is God. Dad, you were, you were right. Mrs. Noah's like, I never doubted you. I never doubted you. And Noah's rolling his eyes, you know, because he's married and he knows. Meanwhile, down the street at the local Turkish Brookshire Brothers, the rain starts to fall on the metal roof, but nobody comes running mad crazy out of the checkout line and into their car they just simply assume, well, it hadn't rained in a while. It's good. We need the rain for the crops. You know, it rains. It doesn't rain. What's a little rain? People hanging out at Starbucks, talking about what they're going to do with their family next month, talking about their dreams and talking about how school's going and just, just hanging out, having a good old time. And it starts to rain and they say, huh, it's raining. What's a little rain? The Bible says that it went from rain and it went to this moment that would have created mass hysteria. Because the Bible says that the cisterns of the deep cracked open. The water underneath the ground from the belly of the earth burst open. And rain is falling, and, and, and a, a, a burst of water is, is plummeting out of the streets and the yards and the alleys. Noah's friend, who tried to talk him out of it at the local coffee shop, his college roommate, standing there looking out his front window, 
his wife behind him pacing with their little child in her hands. And he's watching as the water goes from beyond the street into his yard and begins to seep through the wall of his living room. And his wife is saying, you told me you had your own theories about God. You told me that that was all kind of, a, you know, hocus pocus. You told me that that was just kind of the thing that those Christians do, that you had better answers. You, you, you understood better things. Hey, you, why, why didn't you listen to him? And something clicks in the college roommate's brain and he says, oh, dear God, Noah was right. And he grabs his wife and he grabs his child and they begin to, to high knee it through water, through the cul-de-sac and out through the neighborhood streets towards Noah's yard. Now listen, I don't know how long it took, but that boat did not float quickly. A boat of that size, it would have taken a lot of water to finally get off the ground. So I wonder if they could hear people gathering around the boat, pounding on the side of that vessel. Noah, you were right, you were right, you were right, sorry. Will you let us in? Will you let us in? The college roommate showing up with his wife, her hair is matted in her face. How could you, how could you not listen to him? Why did you lead us like this? And he's holding his baby and the baby's crying and he's pounding on the side of the boat. Noah, let us in, this isn't funny anymore. And Japheth's inside the boat. He's like, Dad, let him in. And Mrs. Noah's like, Noah, open the door. And Noah's like, you can't open the door. We didn't shut the door. If you open the door, destruction's on all of us. We've got to do what we've got to do. The door is closed. They're treading water. His wife is now gone in the waves. He tries to lift his son one last time. Just take my, just take my kid. And the Bible says that the flood covered the earth. I know that maybe you wanted to come to Timber Creek Church today and get four, four handlebars for financial freedom. You have a conversation like this about the reality of a door of opportunity closing. And I hope it sobers you up. I hope it sobers you up. And makes you realize that life is short. Invest it in the right things. While the door of opportunity is open. Because I want to say something to you. In is in. Okay? Out is out. Inside the ark means inside the ark. Outside the ark means outside the ark. There is no plan B. There is no back tour to the boat. But I believe Jesus gave me this moment to remind all of you and to remind me that every person you lock eyes with right now, as of right now, number four, the door is still open. Thank God we're not living in a place where the door has already been shut. But God whose hands are open, he is the door, the Bible says. And he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he desires you to be the kind of people that aren't perfect, that don't got all your junk together, that that aren't those like, you know, floating around with a halo around your head. That's fake. But to be someone who cares enough about the kingdom of God that you will be invested personally and relationally and, yeah, even financially 
into, into what we're building. Look, when, when everybody else in your neighborhood is staying home on Sundays, you got to remind your kids, we're building a boat here. When, when, when your kids get up in the morning and they're eating their Apple Jacks and they say, I want to I go to church today. The Wilsons next door are going to Lake Sam Rayburn and they're going to ride jet skis all day and I want to go ride jet skis. And I want to tell you, it's okay to go ride jet skis. If you don't ever have any family time, you ought to skip a Sunday every once in a while and just go have some family time. God will honor it. But, but skipping once in a while does not mean that all of a sudden this cannot be your top priority gathering together putting God first and your kids are gonna say I want to go ride jet skis with the Wilsons today and you're like look 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 I know little Jimmy you'd like to go ride jet skis at Lake Sam Rayburn and there's time for that but here's what we're doing daddy has staked his life on this mommy we are about Jesus and what he wants to do and I know it'd be fun to get on the jet skis and go ride around Lake Sam Rayburn but eat your Apple Jacks and get your butt in the car because we're going to church, okay? Like, and here's the deal. If you will make that kind of investment, it's not good. You, you won't remember the jet ski ride, but you will remember the day your kids came home saying, I asked Jesus into my heart today. You will remember the day your teenager said, I'm trusting God for that. I'm praying over that. You will remember those moments, mom and dad. Make the most of the moments you have while the door of opportunity is still open. And don't you feel guilty about the past? You settle your yesterday. If you wish you would have gotten your kids in church earlier, you would have had a relationship with God earlier. I know there's a whole bunch of shoulda, coulda, woulda, but God doesn't meet you in the shoulda, coulda, woulda. He meets you in the right now. And so, your best steps, my best next steps, here they are. They're so simple. Here they are. They're two. Invest and invite. And for some of you, here's how this is applied. Because you've drifted from God or you've never invited him to be the center of your life, here's how you invest and invite. Invest your life into Jesus by inviting him to be your savior. That's your next step. For those of you that are serving Christ, you don't get to opt out of sharing the good news. We, we, don't, we don't just say, well, let's, let's let the pastor do that. No, it's all of us together. But you don't have to preach a sermon with your lips. Just preach a sermon with your life. Sermons off of lips, they, they last for however long. A sermon with your life, that's what Noah did. Yeah, he preached with his lips, but he also preached with his life. Invest your life into things that matter most. Your biggest fear should not be of failing. Your biggest fear should be succeeding at stuff that doesn't really matter. Invest in what matters most like Noah, like Jesus, who while you were sinners, he invested into you because you matter most to him. Invest and invite. And let's together be the kind of church that creates community destinations, groups and gatherings and Christians and people from this church campus to Duncan and Dybal and in 28 days, the Nacogdoches location and other locations to come that God's calling us to do. Let's create those together. Let's, let's hammer together. Let's build some scaffolding. Let's spend some decades together. How about it? I'm ready to give the rest of my ministry life if God will allow it to give this church to build some boats 
that people will join in on, that they will be saved from the crazy white water of this culture, and that they will bow a knee to Christ and give everything to Him, and so that their God-given potential is realized, and that they will make a difference for the kingdom of God too. But I want us all to do it while the door of opportunity is still open. So let me finish with something that just happened a couple of days ago. Then I'm going to give you two awesome announcements. We're going to receive the offering and we're going to go. If you are the person that feels the need, like as soon as we start receiving the offering, like, like we're going to run out, don't, don't do that. Just stay with us. Stay, stay with us. So just stay until I dismiss you. But I'm almost done. I like that. Like you're, you're walking out like this. <laughs> oh. So 28 days from launching our Nacogdoches location, and uh, we had all of our chairs for the auditorium delivered uh, a couple of weeks ago. 400 chairs delivered and uh, to, to that area on North Street in the Northview Shopping Plaza. We have uh, 22,000 square feet we've renovated from top to bottom. I, I was over there last night. It, it is unreal. Let me just tell you, though, a building don't save anybody, but it does communicate vision. That building, all it is is a net. It's a net. But we're going to be like Peter, and we're going to launch out into the deep, and we're going to cast a net. God's the one that's going to stir the fish, but we're going to build the nets, and Jesus is going to stir the fish. And I'm telling you, it is unreal over there. Like, Nagadoches, those of you who want to go visit, like, it's going to be unbelievable. So many people are going to come into the kingdom of God at the Nagadoches campus. You don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> like, it's going to be wheels off. Cannot wait. But as those chairs were delivered, the gentleman who delivered on the big semi-trailer, he had left from Tennessee, and he had a semi-trailer full of hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of chairs for different churches. And he had delivered at different churches, three different churches from Tennessee all the way down into East Texas. We were his fourth stop. After we unloaded several people, some dream teamers and some staff, we unloaded those chairs. Pastor Dan, our location pastor for Nacogdoches, he went over to Daryl, the semi-truck driver, and he said, hey, Daryl, uh, before you go, um, is there anything that we could, I could pray for you or your family about before you get back in the truck and head off to your next church location? And 51-year-old Daryl looked at Dan and tears welled up in his eyes. And he said, it's been a long time since anybody's asked me that. Yeah, I need prayer. I need prayer. So Dan, Pastor Dan just put a hand on his shoulder and just prayed over him right there on the dock, on the back dock, loading dock of the campus. And prayed, and by the time he's done praying, tears were just streaming down his, his cheeks and onto his shirt. And, and Dan just, just went in because the door of opportunity was wide open. And he said, Daryl, have you asked Jesus to like be the center of your life? And he goes, oh man, a long time ago, but I'm not even close to where I, I need to be. And Dan said, you know, it's kind of like what we say, that people drift. The Bible says people are like sheep. We go astray, we drift. But it's obvious God's moving on your heart. Do you want to just re-invite him back in to be the center? Like, he goes, yeah, would you just pray with me right now? And Dan, right there on the back dock of that Nacogdoches campus, the person who delivered all of our empty seats, 
I'm pleased to report to you, Timber Creek, that we have had our first salvation at the Nagadoches location. <laughs> that was not just a gift for Daryl, though. I believe God gave me that, that gift to tell you something today. Here's a picture of Pastor Dan and myself and, and Daryl delivering all these chairs. A core value of ours, a behavior that we've got to take really seriously here at Timber Creek. We say it like this, empty seats are a big deal. And I, I, I believe Jesus wanted me to remind you, I'm going to bring the guy that brings empty seats. And his soul is just another indicator that we've got to fill empty seats with people that matter to God because every empty seat represents a soul and every soul matters deeply to God. So it matters deeply to us. So that's what we're doing. Let's go build some boats together, everybody. Now two housekeeping items and we're gonna pray over the offering. The first announcement has to do with the housekeeping item. You know, when, when a family has another baby and they go from one baby to two or zero to one or you name it, they have to like maybe think about, well, should we get a different car? Or should we put locks on the cabinets? Or, you know, should we buy another pacifier? Cause that one fell on the ground for 12 seconds or whatever. Like, like, and then by the third one, it's like, just stick that pacifier in your mouth. I know the dog was, was playing with it. Just put it in there. We're birthing a new location and it means things have got to shift a little bit because we're a family and we've got growing pains. And so there have been some issues that we're hoping to help alleviate by taking a, a, a group to the Nacogdoches location, but there's also some other things that we've been struggling with at Timber Creek and we want to make it easier and easier for people to walk through the door at Timber Creek. So here's a couple issues. We want to make parking easier. We, we, Parking can be a little bit of a nightmare. Some of you lose your salvation right after church when you're trying to get out. You're like saying, God bless you, you're number one, but that's not what that means. <laughs> trying to get out on the loop, losing your salvation. We need to make parking a little bit easier. Um, we also, uh, we have to help our dream teams because you don't realize this, but every person that serves in the second service, because our service times are so tight, when I'm preaching, by, at about 10:20, before I'm done with my message, before the offering, before the end, before the conclusion, there's about 45 people that, that all across the crowd, they have to get up and walk out. It's a, it's a distraction. They want to be able to be at the end of service. I want them to finish service. I, I want people to not be distracted by people having to excuse me and go and serve. That's like counterintuitive. That's counterproductive. And so we, we've got to create some space for our dream teams to get where they need to go. Kids check in and check out. For those of you that bring kiddos to KidWorks and this first service goes a little late and there's this pandemonium between people pulling kids out and people putting kids in, it, it, it is a do-si-do -si -do of crazy proportions over there that can get a little wild. Pandemonium in the KidWorks hallways. But, but also... I want us to create a little bit more relational space between our first service and our second service and create an opportunity for people to connect in a more meaningful way instead of feeling rushed to have to go out. So because of these things, we could spend money and, and build more parking. Um, we, we could push, make a whole lot of changes 
to our kids check in and check out. Um, we, we could provide more programs for relational space, but, but here's one of the easiest ways we can fix these things. The easiest way we can improve this is we need, we need to make just a slight service time change. And, and here's, here's the service time change. We're simply moving from 9.30 and 11 to 9.30 and 11.15. This service is gonna start 15 minutes later. Now for some of you, <laughs> for about 60% of you, you're already thinking, oh, I, I thought it started at 11.15. Because that's when you show up, goofball. And that's okay, that's okay, all right? But here's another reason. The parking lot at Nacogdoches, we share with a couple of restaurants, with a couple of businesses, with a movie theater. And, and we need a little bit extra time to be able to move that plus we're gonna be broadcasting and we're just gonna be on a two or three minute delay and having that extra time between services will help us as we broadcast to our Nacogdoches location. So that changed 9.30 and 11.15. You may say, man, 11.15, that's just getting later in the day. I invite you, we got space at the 9.30. Come to the 9.30, you're out. I mean, you get to beat everybody, including the Baptist to Cafe Del Rio. Like you get, a, you get to beat everybody. Come early, that's fine. But you say, oh, that's nice, come late, then just, Here's my, my ask. Don't start coming at 1130 then. <laughs> like, like, actually do 1115. Like, be here first, get Cafe Aroma, enjoy the time. But this is a change and it will start, not next Sunday, but on August 25th. Two weeks from now, we will make this change. You'll see it through an email, you'll see it on our Facebook posts, and you name it. But, but I just wanted to let you know, that's so we can improve our service times and, and have a little bit more flexibility. Everybody good? Good. If you have any questions or you have a complaint about that, if you don't like that, I want you to write a letter. Listen, seriously, write it, write it out. Write all your complaints out. Put it up, put it in an envelope, send it to the Easter Bunny. Okay, so. Last announcement before we give. Before we give in the offering. Not only are we making these community destinations right here in East Texas, things that we're going to be one church with, with many rooms, but, but also we're investing in other churches that have that same heart. So I, I, I think that it, it ought to encourage you that we're not, just, we're not just investing into our church, we're investing into the church. And seven days after we launched Nacogdoches, there's another church, a brand new church starting in Mansfield, Texas, over in the DFW Metroplex. It's known as Movement Church. And it is going to be birthed by our previous, our former youth pastors, Seth and Janae Wolverton. So we're 28 days from Nacogdoches. We're 35 days from launching Movement Church. And I've got Seth and Janae here in the room with us. Would you stand to your feet and give it up for Seth and Janae as they come? Janet. Here's the cool announcement, everybody. Here's the cool announcement. Seth and Janae have been working tirelessly, making connections. They're parachuting in to, to start something from zero to one. God has given them favor with families and friendships and, and finances. They started with a, a zero and they, they've been able to raise over $100,000 already to launch with the equipment they need. And, uh, do you guys have a picture of the, the building actually? Do you have the picture? That Mansfield High School is renting their whole uh, high school out on Sundays to them. It's a set up, tear down, beautiful, brand new, state of the art auditorium. They are going in, they are lucky. Like they don't have to build the whole thing. I'm so oh, I'm mad at them, but that's okay. 
the joy of the Lord is my strength. But, but, but here's what churches like, like movement church that are going to, there are baby churches being born. They need parent churches. They need churches that will come alongside of them and partner. For far too long, church has been in competition with each other. And really, we need to be sons, fathers and sons is what we need. We, we, we need mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. And, and so there are two churches that have come alongside Movement Church. One that's there in that area in Burleson. But then also Timber Creek Church. We are a partner, a parent church in helping movement church get off the ground there's a grant that's available you can get grant money but you have to have a church that will support you and and that will will front the upfront money and then they double that so basically when you give thirty thousand dollars the grant that's available for church planting they match that thirty thousand and you have sixty thousand uh, dollars well it is my privilege to announce today we have a lot of our own bills. We have a lot of our own responsibilities at Nacogdoches location. We've got, we have some overhead we've never had before by having more than one location. It takes a lot of giving in order to make these things go. And not only giving finances, but giving your time as well. It takes more and more dream teamers. But God spoke to me early on that every time we launch a location, we don't wanna just launch a Timber Creek, we want to help the big church. And so on behalf, Seth and Janae, on behalf of the Timber Creek Church family, our deacon team, our pastoral staff, from the bottom of Janet's heart and my heart, we are so thrilled to present you with the seed money for that grant. We are giving Movement Church today $30,000 to get that grant for what's next. And we're believing the best is yet to come. And I want Seth just to, to greet you guys. We are so honored. I, I can't say that I've ever been so humbled. We love this church. What's happening here in East Texas, it's special. And we're thankful for our season, our time here. We love each and every one of you. Pastor Jeremy, we love you and Janet. You guys are wonderful. And we are just honored to, we wanna be a church like this. And we're trying to take what's happening here, the, the spirit of God that's moving, and we're trying to bring it to a new community in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we couldn't do it without churches like this. And just know that we are literally standing on the shoulders of Timber Creek Church to bring what we're doing to Mansfield. So thank you guys so much. We're honored. Isn't that cool? Hey, because you give, because you give, because you invest, we're able to do things like this. So thank you, thank you. Let's pray over our offering today. Father, for the connect cards that are gonna be dropped, for the gifts that are being given, I pray that we would give with a generous spirit, with a cheerful give. Nobody be feeling obligated or pressured. Lord, it's up to you. May each person determine in their heart what to give and be faithful with it. And Lord, as we worship now in giving and in music, I pray for the souls yet to come into the kingdom, that there would be people like this in all kinds of churches across the world that would invest and would invite and that would see anyone find and follow you while the door of opportunity remains open. Bless this offering in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As we give, would you sing and give, and then I'll come back and dismiss you in just a second.